um, Luke chapter 23, and um, I've um, started a series last week about being around the cross of Jesus. And last week, I got you to think about, and I want you to think about this again this morning, to think about Jesus this morning. And in your mind's eye, remember what was happening to him. He was arrested at night, and he was taken over to, um, to be tried. And after he was tried, he was handed over to the Romans. I want you to remember how they mocked him at that time. We learned last week that they took the, the staff and, and they, 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 they hit him across the head again and again. They spat on his face and they, they beat him and punched him and, and, and asked him, who prophesied? Who hit you? They mocked him. I want you to see him this morning with a crown of thorns around his head. I want you to see him this morning with blood pouring from his forehead because of the, the thorns that have gone into his skin. But that's not all. They dragged him over to the what they call the whipping post. And there they stripped his back and began to lash him and to whip him, to get him ready for the cross. But that's what they did. Some men couldn't make it. Some men died at the whipping post. But there was Jesus as he was holding on to that, to that wooden post there as they whipped him again and again and again. I want you to see him this morning. Because we try to make Easter, the Passover, very pretty and very nice and very yellow and, and, and bright and flowery. But it's not flowery. It's not bright. I want you to see him this morning. And after he was weakened, he was forced to carry his own cross. And as we come to the Bible reading, we, we read these words. And it, and it says, And the soldiers led him away. They seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Because Jesus was just weak to carry his own cross. So they made this man, Simon of Cyrene, do it for him. We are told that a large number of people, including women, followed him. They were weeping for him. Now Jesus didn't have enough strength to carry his cross, but he did have enough strength to preach another sermon. He did have another, enough strength to speak another word. And he said these words, this is what he said. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. You know, I've never preached on these words before in my life. I've seen them in the Bible, never preached on them. Normally when you um, preach over Easter, you, you preach about what Jesus said on the cross, don't you? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Or you preach maybe, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You preach some of the sayings of Christ on the cross. But I've never really spoken at all about what Jesus said before he ended up on that cross. 
And as this crowd of people were following him, including women, Jesus said these words. What does he mean when he said to these women and these people following him, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. What does he mean? Well, I think Jesus can have three meanings on these words here. The first, I want to speak about pain to come. You see, on Wednesday night, we've been looking at Jesus predicting his own death. We were looking at three years before this actually happened. Jesus was saying, you know, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to be beaten and mocked. And I'm going to be crucified. And on the third day, I will rise. He was saying this for three years predicting what will take place. And he was doing it in detail. So it was no surprise to him, but it was a great surprise to the crowd. The crowd that was around him, the crowd that was following him, they were horrified. They were shocked by what they saw. But Jesus turned around and said this to them, as I said, he said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Jesus was now not thinking about his own suffering. But now, he was predicting again, looking ahead at what the suffering that was coming upon Jerusalem he was no longer looking at what was going on in his life at that moment, but he was looking ahead as to what was going to happen in their lives that was going to happen soon. He was predicting. Now, we see him doing this before. He, he says it in, um, in Luke 19. He says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you even you had only known on this day what will bring you peace. But now it's hidden from your eyes. <clears throat> the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your wall. They will leave, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus was thinking about what's going to happen ahead. Now, most of us don't really care too much about history. The only history that we care about is 1966 where England won the World Cup. We don't even care about 1066, that doesn't really matter. But maybe 1966 might be a day of history that you might have in your head. We don't really think about history, but history is very important. And Jesus, when he was speaking, when he was um, being taken to the cross, Jesus, that happened in AD 30, AD 35. But in 40 or 50 years' time, Jesus knew what was going to take place in Jerusalem. You see, in history, in AD 68, 
the Jews rebelled against the Roman authority. In AD 68, the Jews in Jerusalem turned around and said, we no longer want Rome ruling us, and they rebelled. And so in AD 70, the Emperor Nero sent an army into Jerusalem. And that army went into Jerusalem, and it surrounded the whole of Jerusalem. No one can go in, and no one came out. And because this army surrounded Jerusalem, the famine that was in Jerusalem at that time was so severe that one historian called Josephus, as he writes about this time, he said that the famine in Jerusalem was so severe that the families were found dead. Women and children were found dead in the home of starvation. A mother holding on to her child who died in her arms and then she dies because there's no food. It reminds me when I was thinking about that of the Grenfell Tower this after, a few years ago. Remember that? When we hear about that fire where families were huggled together as the fire consumed them. How awful. But that is exactly what took place in Jerusalem. And then Josephus Explain another event that happened during that time. He said this. There was a mother who had a child. And this famine was so severe that this mother decided to kill her child. And to boil the child. And as she boiled the child to eat it, the smell of the boiled meat went outside and the soldiers smelling it came into the house and said you're hiding food she tried to deny it but they said, bring out your food we want, we want to see what you're hiding and she brought out a half eaten boiled child Josephus writes and he turned around and he said that there was he writes this everyone was struck by horror and those who were not born or who died before were pronounced blessed that they never saw this horrible sight. Listen to Jesus. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for yourselves. Do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves. He says this. Um, so in the Bible, let me go back to what he says in the word. He says this. For the time will come when you will say, blessed are the barren woman, the womb that never bore, and the breasts that never fed. And Jesus turned around and says to the, the people of Jerusalem, you're weeping for me. I can understand you're weeping for me. I can understand your concern for me, but do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves. The time is coming, 40 or 50 years, where your enemies will surround you. And there'll be so much famine that the children will die and even some mothers will be eating their own flesh. Weep for yourselves, he says. The time is coming. He predicted that. And in AD 70, exactly what he said took place. Now, his words are not only 
for their generation. It's also for our generation because Jesus predicted something else. Listen to what he said in Matthew. He said this, speaking about a time yet to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. In other words, Jesus is saying a day is coming. I was right about my own death. It happened as I said it would happen. I was right about Jerusalem. You was weeping for me when I was going to the cross. But I told you, don't weep for me, because a time is coming when you should be weeping for yourself and for your children. But now he turns around and he says, a time is coming. Before I come back again, there's going to be great distress on this earth. You need to be weeping for yourselves. Now, maybe we don't do weeping in England. Maybe weeping is a thing that, you know, only the Mexicans and the, you know, the Italians do. I don't know. But we English people don't like crying too much. But the thing is, you need to be concerned. That's what he's saying. You need to be concerned about yourself. You need to be concerned about your life. Concerned about your sin. Concerned about whether you're walking with God or not. You need to be concerned about it. That's what he's saying. Are you concerned? Because if you are concerned, then you will be among the elect. You will be among those who are saved. Among those who love me. You will be among those. That's what he's saying. The time is coming. Where he doesn't want you to be weeping for him on the cross. Weep for yourselves, he says. And for your children. But also, not only will he speak about the pain to come. The second thing he was mentioning is about the joy to come. Again, these words come up again on our screen. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Jesus said, do not weep for me. Why? Because he was willing to die. That's why he didn't want you to weep for him. He was willing to die. In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus told them several things about this event. He said this, you know, no one takes it from me, speaking about his life. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Don't weep for me, says Jesus. I'm laying my own life down because I have authority to do so. Again, he says this. Destroy this temple, he says, and I will raise it up in three days. Speaking about his own body. Don't need to weep for me, says Jesus. I know that even if you do destroy my body, I know that I'm going to rise again on the third day. No need to weep for me. I like what happened when Jesus was going to Jerusalem. He knew that Jerusalem was where he's going to die. 
And the Bible says this. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Nothing is going to stop me. I'm setting my face towards Jerusalem. I know the time is coming for me to be taken up and I need to get to Jerusalem. Don't weep for me, says Jesus. I know exactly what I'm doing. But don't weep for me. You need to weep for yourselves. Because you don't weep for me because I know that when I go to Jerusalem, I'm going to open a way for men to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, my relationship with God. When I go to Jerusalem, when I die, he says, I know that it's going to be painful. It's going to be suffering. But I know that through my suffering, through my pain, the curtain in the temple is going to be torn from top to bottom and men are going to have access into the very presence of God. I know it's going to be hard. I know there's going to be a lot of tears and, and sweat and blood, but I know that once I do it, I'm going to open up a way that you in Golding's church and me as a preacher can have a relationship with God in heaven. Don't weep for me, says Jesus. Don't weep for me. But weep for yourselves. Did you hear what the people said? at Jesus' trial. Did you hear what they said? Look at what they said. When Jesus was being tried, Pilate brought Jesus out, and here was Jesus standing there with the crown of thorns and with raggedy clothes on and blood and sweat. Here he was standing there. Do you know what the people said? And the people answered and said this, his blood is on us. And our children. In other words, Pilate said, you know, should I crucify your king? Should I crucify this Jesus? And they said, crucify him. Let his blood be not only on us, but let his blood be on our children. Let us be responsible for crucifying the son of God. Can you believe the foolishness of that crowd? They turned around and said, let the blood of the son of God the innocent blood. Even Pilate washed his hands and he said, I am innocent of this man's blood. And yet the people turned around and said these words, his blood is on us and our children. Jesus said, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. But not only did they say that, do you know what else they said? Let me show you what else these people said at Jesus' trial. Listen to them again. But they shouted, take him away. Crucify him. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Listen to them again. They reject the king of the Jews. They reject the king of glory. They reject the king of righteousness. They reject the king of heaven. They reject the king of kings. They reject the king of glory. And they choose a mortal king. A king like Caesar. A man king. A king that has no authority. They reject the king who is God. And choose an earthly 
king. That's why Jesus turned around and said to them, do not weep for me. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm opening up a way for glory. Do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. Did you not hear what they said? Did you not hear how they rejected me? Did you not hear how they elbowed me out of their lives? Did you not hear it? Weep for yourselves, he says. And for your children. Sadly, this is true again of men today. Haven't we rejected Jesus as king today in our society? Even in our churches, as Grant was praying, even in our churches. You know, people may have tears flowing when they think of Jesus dying on the cross. Some people may say, well, you know what, I'm going to stop eating chocolate or cake for Lent, you know. I'm going to suffer a little bit because, you know, I want to share somehow in Jesus' suffering. Others, you know, feel sorrow because of what Jesus done. But they still refuse to make him king. A husband and wife was having a bit of an argument. They might call it a discussion, but it actually was an argument. And the husband said to the wife, I'm the head of this home. I'm the head of this home. It's a West Indian couple. And um, I'm the head of this home, he said. And she said to him, you may be the head, but I'm the neck. And the neck turns their head any which way it wants. And you know, sometimes we might turn around and say to Jesus, to God, you are king, but actually I'm in control. You may be the head, but I'm actually the neck. And I will turn and control you and tell you, God, what you should do. And when you fall out of line, God, I'm going to tell you you're falling out of line. I'm not going to submit to your authority. Yes, I'm saying you're king with my mouth, but by my life, I'm living as though I am king. Jesus was saying to such people, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children. Be concerned about the fact that you're elbowing me out of your life. You're slighting my love. You're turning around that I don't really want your grace. I don't really want your mercy. Yes, I have you on my terms. But if my terms are not met, you're out. Weep, not for me, says Jesus. But weep for yourselves and for your children. Now I say again, because we're British, we may not want to shed tears. The Jewish people, they had a wailing wall. Wailing and crying were a part of their culture. But what Jesus is actually saying is be concerned. Be deeply concerned about how you're living your life. Be concerned about it. So concerned that you can even bring you to tears. Not only about yourselves, but also for your children as well. Those young ones behind you. Be concerned about them also. It distresses me sometimes that We love our children so much that we're not concerned about whether they know Christ. 
anything else can take their lives and, and, and take them away, you know, whether it's football or, or parties or whatever. And we, we allow them to go and, and we don't give any teaching of God's word to them. We're not so concerned about them as we ought to be. We should be concerned about ourselves and concerned about our children also. Jesus cries out. I want you to see him this morning. He's beaten. He's whipped. There's blood pouring out of his back. He's so weak he cannot even carry his own cross. Now as he goes to that place where they're going to execute him, he turns around and the women and the men around him are weeping and wailing and crying. And he turns, he has one more word to say to them. Do not weep for me, daughters of Jerusalem. I'm going to make a way that you can have a relationship with God. Weep for yourselves and for your children. A joy to come. Thirdly and finally, glory to come. Pain to come, joy to come, glory to come. Here's that verse, maybe for the last time, you can see it yourself. Here it is. Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves and for your children. Jesus says, do not weep for me because that day, even though you look very ugly, was a glorious day. You know, some people don't understand why we call Friday Good Friday. Some young person came up to me some years ago and said, why do we call it Good Friday? Isn't it, it be called Bad Friday? I mean, Jesus got nailed to a cross. How can that be good? But Jesus was saying, do not weep for me. Today is a glorious day. Today is the day where I purchase you. Today is the day where I buy your deliverance. Today is the day when I open up a way for you to be forgiven. Today is the day when the Father and you can have a relationship. It's a glorious day. Do not weep for me. For this day is a great day. A day of great joy. That's what Jesus is saying. Even though he's covered with blood and sweat, he says, today is a glorious day. But weep for yourselves. Because it's your sin that's sending me there. Weep for yourselves. Because I'm only going to that cross. Because if I don't go, you will pay the price for your own sin. That's why you need to weep for yourselves. Weep for yourselves. Because it's your sin that is driving me. It's your rebellion. Your wickedness. The skeletons that are in your cupboard the things that you're ashamed of, that you want no one else to know about, is these things that is driving me to that cross. Therefore, weep for yourselves, because these things are the things that matter. And if you don't accept my death, if you don't accept my suffering, then you have to go through it yourself. By yourself. 
on your own, without no help, no support, no strength, the whole wrath and anger of God will be laid out upon you. But now the whole anger and wrath of God is laid upon me. That's why you should be weeping for yourselves. Amen. Weep for yourself to Jesus because if you do not accept my suffering, then you will have to undergo your own. He says these words as well. He says this, For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? If people do these things, says Jesus, when I'm with them, if people do these things when my love is being shown to them, when my grace is being outpoured to them, if they treat me when I'm right there in their faces, healing the sick, raising the dead, clearing the leprosy out of the way, opening the ears of the deaf, opening the eyes of the blind, if people can do these things when the tree is green and I'm there doing a wonderful work, what will happen when I'm taken away? What will happen when it's dry? Men have today had the grace of God. Today they had the love of God. Today they had the mercy of God in Christ. And today, if they can accept it, the tree is green today. There's plenty of joy. There's plenty of grace. There's plenty of mercy. The tree is green today, but it's coming a time. When that will be closed up. Jesus spoke about Noah. And he said this about Noah. He said this. He said, as, he, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Listen again to what those words are. As in the days of Noah, so it will be on the coming of the Son of Man. For the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Something is missing from that list. They were eating and drinking Marrying and giving in marriage, but it wasn't weeping. There's no weeping on that list. There's no concern for their sin. There's no concern for wickedness and evil that was around them. There was no concern about going the wrong way. No, no, no. They were too busy eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up until the day when God closed the door. And it was too late. The concern for sin was too late. The weeping was too late. There, there was weeping on that day, believe me. I think before the flood, I think Noah was the one, in my imagination, I think Noah was the one who was probably weeping as he preached for 120 years, telling people to get in on board with God's plan. I believe Noah's heart was breaking over his society, but when the doors closed, my imagination Tells me that the people was bagging on that ship, 
banging on that boat. The only thing that was afloat. But God said the weeping was too late. They should have been concerned now for their sin before it happened. And Jesus, as he goes to the cross, he just comes out from the whipping post, come away from the soldiers mocking him and spitting on him and hitting him. He come away from all of that weakened physically and broken physically and, and blood just pouring all over his body. And as he goes up towards a place that he's going to be crucified, he has one more word to say to those following him. Women of Jerusalem, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Because I know that I'm laying down my life. I've accepted this from the plan and the hand of God. No one takes my life from me. Destroy this temple and I will raise it up in three days. I've been speaking about this for three years and now it's here. It's my joy and my delight. Because I know what's coming next. Do not weep for me. But those of Jerusalem, weep for yourselves. Because 50 years from now, AD 70, your whole city is going to be surrounded. Weep for yourselves. But not only that, in the 21st century, Golding's Church, are you weeping for yourselves today? Are you concerned for your own sin? Are you so moved that you realize that it's my sin that nailed him to that cross. It's me. No one else. Doesn't matter how good or bad they may be. No matter how far in wickedness or how high in holiness they may be. It's my sin that has nailed him to the cross. Therefore, I must be concerned. I must hear Jesus this morning. And Jesus tells me to weep for myself. And for my children. And if you do that, you will be welcomed into the kingdom of God with open arms. That is the trade off. You be broken over sin in your life, and you will be welcomed into the very presence of God. Let's pray. Father, I've never spoken on these verses before and you laid it on my heart. But it's something that you want to say to this church. Gracious God, I pray that we may not look at Jesus as the poor, suffering, broken one. But but we might see him as a triumphant, conquering king. That is who he is. Even though he may look broken, may we see him as the criminal on the cross saw him, as a king. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he says. May we see Jesus as king, oh God, not as this broken man, unable to carry his own cross. May we not weep for him. 
that make us concerned, deeply concerned, about how we are living, how we are walking, what our relationship with Christ like, make us deeply, deeply concerned. And if it moves us to tears, so be it, O oh God. But only your spirit can do that. So therefore I pray, outpour your spirit upon us in a real, in a powerful, and in a wonderful way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now throughout this glorious week until we meet again. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.